Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Roberta. Okay, thank you. Hi, I'm Roberta, a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thrilled to be here tonight. I've listened to so many podcasts from the Light a Candle meeting. I've come a few times, but it's the other side of town, and it's my first time speaking here. So thank you very much uh, for asking me. I've been in program 35 years. I've been abstinent 13 and a half years. So you can see it took me a long time to uh, understand and kind of catch the the gold spiritual uh, ring, so to speak. I came into program, uh, I was approaching my 40th birthday. I didn't want to be fat and 40. I was over 100 pounds uh, overweight, commuting to New York um, on the Long Island Railroad. My one pair of black uh, polyester pants was pretty much uh, rubbed out on the inside seam. And traveling, uh, getting on the train when it was really crowded at night, and I wouldn't, you know, trying to squeeze myself into the middle seat, it was just so uncomfortable. So I was pretty angry, demoralized, and uh, frustrated with life. It looked like I had a pretty good life. I was married to a lawyer. I had two children, a boy and a girl, uh, but I was miserable on the inside, and uh I think I've been a compulsive eater all my life. My pictures, I was chubby as a child. I was twice as big as anybody else around me. I always admired a cousin who was older than me, shorter and petite, and she did tap dancing. I wanted to do tap dancing and just never really um, was always trying to be something I wasn't. Never felt like I was good enough. And... um, I need to say that the, uh, the eloquence of the two birthday uh, celebrants was beautiful, and um, so that made me more nervous. <laughs> but I know that I'll, I'll say something that will help somebody, and uh, it's always good for me to speak and to share. Growing up, I... Um, we did, God wasn't in our house. I grew up Jewish. I, if you can't tell from the accent, uh, I'm a New Yorker. I come from Brooklyn, born in, in Brooklyn, grew up on Long Island, and didn't become an L.A. girl until two and a half years ago. So that is because of program. You know, who would pick up at the age of 73 and decide to uh, change, uh, move cross country? But I'll talk about that a little bit later. Let me tell you a little bit of what it used to be like. Um, By the eighth grade, I was over 200 pounds, and uh, my aunt took me to these. um, They had these, one of them was called McLevy. They were these kind of sports things, but all they had 
were um, machines that you would put around you, and they were going to get the weight off. You know, one of these, uh, like, <laughs> rolling things. And But it was so humiliating, because you went, and a man was measuring my arms and measuring my legs. And I just remember being humiliated there. <laughs> when I went to get a teaching job in New York City, they had a physical. And I remember being humiliated by the person who was weighing me, because I was wearing a very thin dress in those days. You know, you wore suits and girdles and stockings and, you know, to go for a job interview, and I just wanted to weigh as little as I could. I weighed too much. He said, come back, lose 20 pounds. Well, I never lost weight for any occasion. You tell me to lose weight, and I went and had a party. So it wasn't until many years later, I, my career started on Long Island. I was teaching there, and then I ended up teaching in the city. They've done away with that, but just the humiliation of... And maybe some of it was that I blamed being fat. You know, it was a very convenient thing when I didn't get into the high school sorority or the college sorority. Well, it was because I was fat. I'm not sure, you know, exactly. I think that played a part, but it also, I think I was giving out such negativity and had such low self-esteem that I'm sure it was partly my personality that they really didn't want in their sorority. You know, I remember going to these dances as teens, the temple dances, and, you know, just, I must have had this wall around me, don't you dare come to me, because I, you know, so of course I was a wallflower, and I finally did some dating after I was in program, after I got divorced, I finally had some uh, fun dating. Uh, a little late, but, you know, in this program, we do grow up. It says in our step book, we never grew up, and that's the truth. Uh, never learned to feel my feelings, went right to the food. It was a great, a great comfort, and uh, it still is. I still want smooth, creamy food when I'm, you know, feeling agitated, or when I'm really feeling agitated, I need crunchy food, um, but... God has relieved the compulsion, thank God. Uh, there, uh, February 2002, crazy. I mean, I, I had retired already, and I'm thinking, I know I'm jumping ahead, but let me tell you the good stuff now. So I was um, retired and still getting up, cranky, you know, is this all there is to life? I wasn't joyous. I wasn't happy, joyous, and free. I was in program. I had done a lot of work. You know, when I first came in, I wanted one of the women in the room was a former cheerleader from my high school. Well, that's who I wanted to sponsor me because it was all about the weight. And I did lose weight, and I worked, you know, very hard emotionally. I went, I got some outside help. That was very useful. I was able to get in touch with things. I did go through a divorce and started to date, and uh, I met the man that I'm now married to, and uh, really, I would probably have been divorced again, if not, you know, for this program and learning to um, accept people as they are, pretty much so. Uh, we have our moments, <laughs> but uh, even, even yesterday, he had been away at his daughter's, and I picked him up yesterday for the airport. Well, we didn't even get through a day before we had words over something, and as I'm going to sleep, I said, you're speaking tomorrow. You can't just go to sleep. What are you going to, where's your recovery? So I went in, and I said, come on, and I gave him a kiss goodnight, and, you know, I've got to do that. I mean, I can't, you know, I can't stay mad. That resentment is going to 
you know, clog up that sunlight of the spirit, and I must have that in. Um, I've gone to many big book studies, and, uh, and the big book does have the answer. That is our program of recovery. I like our step books, like all the all the books, all the literature, and I use outside sources. Nothing is, you know, I like it all. The thing is that I have to find what works for me. I can't have a sponsor and think that I'm going to be abstinent if I follow her food plan or take your higher power. I found through the years that I need to learn to love myself. I need to learn to forgive myself. And if I do that, then I start learning to love and forgive others. And um, I love, um, you know, the 10th step in the in the big book how it says love and tolerance is our code and many places in the big book it talks about being loving and kind because I am very judgmental and critical so I really want to be loving and kind you know and they you know would you rather be right or would you rather be loved years ago I wanted to be right and now I've learned to let that go so I came into program uh, after doing all the diets that you did and Searching for, you know, I guess I was always searching for God. I tried to get to be more religious. My son became a rabbi. He moved to Jerusalem. He's very orthodox. And I thought, well, maybe if I have a God like that, you know. So I was always seeking somebody else's God. And finally, in 2002, I realized that I, I there was a few people in the rooms that really... I found very attractive. They were really humble. They were spiritual. You can just tell they were peaceful. They were happy with themselves. And I asked one of them to sponsor me. And uh, that was the beginning of this wonderful journey that I've been on. And since February 2002, the obsession has just been relieved. Yes, do I sometimes, the food looks good to me. Yes. Do I sometimes, you know, especially if I buy a hot bagel, it's like sometimes I just want to bite into it. But if I just can get through that moment and get it home and slice it and freeze it, then I can have it when I can have it. Uh, it's that spontaneous eating that doesn't work anymore. So I joined, I, I got into program, I had this cheerleader sponsor, and I wrote down my food every day, and I called her every night, and I went through the questions and the steps, and I worked the steps, and I went to three, four meetings a week, and I started sponsoring people. And then I started playing a little bit with the food, and in those days I had a fairly strict food plan, it was called Gray Sheet. And I went off it, and then I gained about 50 pounds back of the 100. And uh, I decided I needed a stricter food plan, gray sheet. And so I got gray sheet. And, you know, through the years, I realized it's not, that's the punishing mentality. That really doesn't work for me. I need a more loving, forgiving food plan. And right now, um, you know, after many years of a disciplined food plan and, you know, sugar had to be fifth or more and not eating carbs, uh, right now I'm able to eat everything. Now, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you should try to eat everything. I think my, I have a wonderful sponsor. I have two wonderful sponsors. And my sponsor from Arizona always says, you know, we have different 
food prints, just like we have different fingerprints. And my food print is different from yours and different from, you know, just like we all have different higher powers. And so for me today, I can tell you that I can eat everything. Not in every situation. I'm not going to, and I don't often eat things. But it's just, it's been relieved. It just, I'm not struggling with anything anymore as far as food. Um, so I came in, I struggled with those 50 pounds for 22 years. You know, from 1980 to 2002, I was struggling. I was in relapse. I got recovery for a month, for six months, for a week, and so on. And it was always day one again. And something happened when I got this spiritual lady, beautiful lady, that helped me to create my own higher power. And um, I'm... I talk to God all the time. Somebody in program, my next sponsor, taught me how to taught me how to talk to God. And you know, we would go to a nursing home to try to help some people who were um, quite overweight. And she'd say, "Wait, let's pray before we go in." And she'd start talking. So then I learned you could just talk to God, and um, you know, you don't need to use formal prayers. And our books are full of beautiful prayers. I mean, start with page 86 to 88 in the big book. That's all you need every morning. I start my day with prayer and meditation. I um, I journal a little. I work the steps to the best of my ability. I do a lot of service and program. The big book talks about wanting to be useful to others, to be of maximum service to others. I am a selfish person. I still am. Uh, but I now call it self-care. If I take care of myself and am good to myself, then I can be good to others. I um, So... That was in 2002. I started this new abstinence, and it was just being, you know, guilt-free eating and working towards a healthy body weight. And about four years ago, I saw that I put on some weight, and I was trying, struggling, get off the five pounds, you know, get off the, you know. And I don't want to be 90 years old wanting to lose five pounds. I mean, that seemed insane to me. If only I could lose five pounds. I said, just accept your weight the way it is today. It's the way it's supposed to be. And somebody pointed out that Marilyn Monroe was a size 12. So today I was shopping and I was... Uh, my granddaughter's getting married the end of the month, so I needed a dress, and I found a beautiful dress, and it was size 12, and that was okay. Um, I hope it will be able to be him, because it's chiffon, and it's warm, and <laughs> we'll see. I may not end up with that dress, but anyway, that's, uh <laughs> but life is good. Life is good these days. Uh, when I, I moved to L.A. because my son had moved to Israel with his six children, and that was a teaching for me to learn to accept. Life on life's terms. It was 2009, and they decided to do that, and it was hard for me. But I saw it in a different point of view. It wasn't, oh, poor me, you're taking away my grandchildren. They lived in New Jersey, so it was only an hour ride. I, I saw them every week. 
I saw that this would benefit their upbringing, their spiritual growth. And um, so, you know, it's amazing. I love page 417 in the book, book. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. And uh, I really, I haven't read it. I should read it every morning because I, I absolutely think that's the best thing about this program, learning to accept myself and accept you exactly the way you are today. Life is very good. My granddaughter, who's getting married the end of the month, was able to come and spend four days with me. We just had four days together, and it was, it was grand. Uh, but when expectations are high, you know, it doesn't really work. Um, so there were some discordant moments. But then I realized that, you know, keep your expectations low and your hopes high. So these last 13 years, I've become really close to my higher power, uh, my higher power. I keep seeking to know him better. I call, I call my higher power him. I don't have an image, but it's kind of a combination of a loving grandparents and parents and, uh, and friends. I, um, I work this program hard because I live by the principles of the steps. Honesty is the principle behind step one. And I was very dishonest, cash register dishonest. And uh, I don't know, about 11 years ago, I guess, I was um, shopping in the supermarket and they didn't have my Russian dressing, so I got a, a rain check. And at the time, I wanted to buy about a dozen of them because I used so many of them. But the rain check said only four. And so when I, when I went to buy them, I, I said, no, I'm taking all ten because when it was on sale, there was no limit. So I, should des- I deserve to get all of them. <laughs> and then on the, way, the checkout, you know, they have the gum, and I took a pack of gum, and I said, well, I'm going to put this in my pocket. Now, if they let me buy, I'm always making deals, you know. And it, I could just spin my web. If they let me buy all of the ten Russian dressing, then I'll pay for the gum. That's fair enough. <laughs> She said, no, four is the limit. So the gun went in my pocket, and I walked out of the store. And then I got in the car, and as I start driving away, I see people picking up $20 bills. And I realized I had one of those wallets that around my neck, and I had gone to the ATM machine. So I had, I, re- I don't remember if it was $300 or $500 in 20s that had completely fallen out. So if God, you know, I mean, God can take away everything. So that helped my dishonesty. And, I, I, and I'm much better at it now. I'm even treasurer. I was even treasurer this last six months at a meeting because I didn't trust myself for a long time to take that job. But uh, it's amazing. And the principle, you know, so, and I'm honest now in saying how I feel. If I can't do it, if it's going to give me a resentment, I need to make boundaries because I'm going to just want to eat over it. And it just puts me, you know, in a bad place. So I have to be honest about my feelings as well as the cash register. I made amends uh, to where I worked. I sent a check, um, you know, to all the places I stole from. I needed to make a lot of monetary amends. And uh, step two is hope. I, um, for the newcomers, I mean, there is hope in these rooms. 
There's joy in these rooms. It's an amazing program, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, you know, um, but it always works. Uh, it always works. The third, the third step is the, is the most difficult. I mean, that's really that decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. Um, you know, I'm sometimes taking that back. I'm not 100% there. But that's the difference between just kind of skiing along and sometimes swimming upstream. You know, there are days when if I'm not, if I'm not just accepting God's will and I want my way, uh, life is much harder and it, and it doesn't always work. It's very important to do the fourth step. That takes courage, but you feel great. And I do it from time to time, uh, you know, when I, have a, when I have a problem. I did a fourth step about my weight, accepting 147 pounds as my new weight. You know, I had to really work it through the columns, you know. What does it affect? What is, you know, how do I feel about it? I always thought that if I, the thinnest, you know, I wanted to be the thinnest. That would give me self-esteem. And uh, now there are other things that give me good self-esteem. Very grateful for that. So the program is just terrific. Um, what can I tell you about it? I do a lot of service. When I moved to L.A., I wanted to get to know everybody, so I started into the intergroup, and I'm active in the intergroup, and I worked on the birthday party a few years ago, so I hope everybody's going to be going to the birthday party. It's always a great pick-me-up and a great, you know, shot in the arm for your program. Uh, I know a lot of my friends in New York listen to these podcasts, and uh, it's a great service that we do at L.A., having them. And uh, I hope that people will make contributions because uh, L.A. Intergroup really needs the money. And uh, thank you. And, uh, you know... I don't know. I used to be kind of cheap when the basket went around. <laughs> and, you know, well, if, you know, if I put in $3 and not everybody else puts in, well, that's not fair. So, but now I see that, um, you know, I don't get the, I don't know. I'm not quite sure how I, you know, that not fair. That, that's always been the theme. It's not fair. Well, you know, life is what life is, so it's not always fair. But I have to be an acceptance of it, and I have to be an example of how I want to be. And I feel good when I'm generous. So um, what can I tell you? I, I love my life. I'm happy, joyous, and free. Um, I came to, to, to Los Angeles because my daughter had moved here, and she had a baby in October on my birthday, this last October. So I have a little two-and-a-half-year-old grandson. And as I said, my oldest is getting, my oldest granddaughter is getting married the end of the month. So I have great relationships with my children and pretty good with my husband. Uh, <laughs> I would give us a passing grade. Uh, there's a lot of room for improvement, and I'm sure that we will. And uh, I, have a, I have so many friends, it was really hard to leave them on Long Island. But I knew that I'd make friends through program here. And I have, and I'm so happy to see a lot of familiar faces in the rooms and, and some people that are friends waiting to be. So I'm going to end now and give you some time for questions. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, one of the most inspiring things about you is how quickly 
we jumped into the fellowship here. Can you talk a little bit about that for people who are kind of scared to jump in? Sure. Uh, yes. Um, jumping in and doing service, uh, getting into the fellowship. Uh, I I got so much recovery on Long Island after I started going to intergroup and uh, becoming chair there and going to Region 6 and going to World Service and meeting people. And I have a sponsee from England and... I got so much joy and, uh, you know, positive feedback from doing that service. It was also a good thing when I wanted to go eat. You know, I had so much service work to do that um, it kind of was a hobby almost. And so um, if you're afraid to do service, uh, taking a commitment at a meeting is a great way to get you to a meeting. And that's uh, very important. And we really need your help on uh, the intergroup level, uh, being a delegate. We only we meet once a month. And uh, great, you know, great changes go on. I just got my new Lifeline a magazine, and I was reading the first page. They have the preamble in it. And when I was reading the preamble last year at World Service, we, uh, Los Angeles Intergroup, uh, suggested that we change the preamble. And the preamble was changed. They added, uh, it used to say, refrain from compulsive eating, and now it says from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors. Those four words, and compulsive food behaviors, were added because we brought it up. So we can make changes and, I, you know, and help the organization. And, and I don't put down other weight organizations, but OA has something. It's a spiritual program, and so jump in, do... Do work above the group level. It's it's good for you. Thank you. Yes. Hi, my name is Jackie. And Hi, Jackie. I'm here as to what compulsive eating looked like for you before you found the program and, you know, what it was like with the feedback. Okay. Thank you. Uh, what did compulsive eating look like uh, before I found program and what the food was like? I was a big binger, and I would like to plan the binges, you know. I was going to go, and I like, can you say foods and everything? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I would plan. I needed my pretzels. I needed my ice cream, my half gallon of mint chocolate chip, and the chocolate chip cookies, and sometimes a cake. So I would plan it. I would go to usually to a drive-in so I didn't have to get out of the car, and I'd start eating in the car, um, that, that energy, you know, I started getting excited when I was planning a binge. Uh, also, I ate huge portions. A normal portion in my house was a pound of steak. I didn't know four ounces. I mean, <laughs> it seemed crazy. <laughs> but um, so I ate huge portions, and I ate continuously. I, I wasn't much of a breakfast person. A lot of times I'd go to, like, you know, because I was always on a diet till 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and then it was just, whoa, when I got home from school, uh, you know, anything goes. So I, w I was a quantity eater. I consumed a lot. I did start exercising because of program, and that was really very helpful. I use the pedometer now. I walk. I try to get my 10,000 steps every day. And, uh, yeah, I don't do much other than that, but that keeps me going. So I was a big 
a quantity eater, and of course sweets were my favorite, you know, uh, icing and, and cakes and cookies and and, and you know, when it's emotionally not charged anymore and you can have it or you don't have to have it, it's just interesting. It's different now. And I can have one cookie. You know, I, I look like I'm a normal eater sometimes, you know. <laughs> I know I'm not, but it looks that way. And I say I'm recovered because the big book says that we're recovered. And I'm, I'm recovered from the, um, the obsession of the mind, you know, and... Uh, you know, but I'm not cured from this disease. I know it could spring up any time. Thank you, Roberta. How do you handle your food? Do you pre-commit um, what, you, what you consume, or do you record it all? Okay. So do I pre-commit my food? Um, I don't anymore. When I'm in trouble and I feel like the food is too, uh, too many sparkling lights going on, <laughs> I start writing it down. I... Um, so I have, in the past few years, sent it to my sponsor, but mainly I write it down in my journal. Um, I don't do that most days anymore. I have an idea. I eat the same breakfast every day, and I always, it's a protein and a salad for lunch, and then, you know, there's not too much uh, variation, and there's not uh, too much breath, but no, I don't pre-commit anymore, so... Yeah. Hi. I just had a question. When you were talking about like when you go and buy the bagel and how like if you can just like like tone it down and wait until you get home to eat it. So does that mean that sometimes you are impulsive and you will like eat it on the ride home? Um, and if so, how do you bring it back from that? Does that set your mind? That's up? a good question. Uh, when I talked about impulsive eating, do I sometimes do that and not wait? Um, until I get home. I haven't done that in a long time. Yes, along these last 13 years, that has happened. And, uh, you know, I'll bite into it, and then maybe I'll eat the whole thing. But usually sanity returns way before then. You know, um, the binges went from big to smaller to just, um, you know, maybe having, uh, eating that bagel in between meals. It doesn't cause me to want another bagel. And even though it didn't look pretty, and I used to say imperfectly abstinent, I don't really like that term, but um, that's why I don't have any particular foods that are on my red light list. I like pretzels too much, and I try not to have them. See, chips I can leave, so that doesn't bother me. But I do like pretzels, and particularly the big ones. So for a few years, I would keep them out of my house. And um, then, I don't know, I said, you know, let me try to do a serving. And I, and I put it, I can't eat from the, ba- from the box or the bag. It would have to be a serving. And because I do eat frozen yogurt, and I'm able to have one every day. And I buy them prepackaged, and they're in the freezer, and that's my treat. And I have that every night. And I said, well, maybe I could do that with pretzels so it doesn't have to be a red light food. And, you know, I try not to have it every day, and I don't. But a few times a week, I'll have a little bag of pretzels. I've come to about 110 calories, I think. So, I don't know. It's been working for me that way. Yeah, it's not perfect. not perfect. Any other questions? Yes. Hi. Uh, in the beginning of your in the beginning of your abstinence, 
Was it complete absence, like you shut off um, binging completely, or did it kind of taper off and get a little bit less and less as your time in the program continued? Okay, the big, uh, how did my abstinence look in the beginning? It's interesting. I'll talk about in 2002 because that abstinence, I started writing down my food, and I would, I would put a Tootsie Pop. I wanted a Tootsie Pop, and I would write down a Tootsie Pop. I'd write down in advance what I was going to eat, and that's how the abstinence started. You know, I didn't take off anything in particular, but I did write down and commit what I was going to eat. I don't know, is that what you were? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much.